Inside Syracuse Basketball with Mike Waters. Presented by Syracuse.com. College basketball is a great thing. Anything can happen. Welcome to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Waters. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by college basketball reporter Jeff Goodman of the Stadium and the Field of 68 podcast. I talked with Jeff about the current state of the Syracuse basketball program and what the future might have in store for the Orange. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. And today, you know, I wanted to talk about Syracuse basketball and specifically and everything that's going on with the Orange. So I wanted to get somebody who was really just an incredible college basketball expert. And I found the guy, folks. Uh, It's a longtime friend of mine. Uh, a guy who knows the college uh, basketball game as well as anybody else, Jeff Goodman, uh, Jeff of the, the stadium, the stadium insider and the field of 68 podcast, right. On Sirius right. satellite radio, Jeff, yes. Hey, listen, buddy, you know, I introduce you like that. Like, you know, you're some big guy. I've, we've known each other for so long. I, it's so I'm, I'm so looking forward to having uh, this conversation with you today. No, it's always good to be on. You, you know what I think of you. We've known each other a long time since I broke in the industry and I consider you somebody that uh, honestly, and I, I wouldn't I tell this to anybody, like I look up to um, try to kind of pattern. Uh, I mean, listen, I grew up as a, as a writer and now, you know, I've kind of morphed into probably more on air or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what I do anymore, but um, still try to write as much as I can, but um, what you've do and what you've done over the course of your career and how you've covered this beat is second to none. I mean that. Well, I appreciate the compliment. And, um, as we agreed on beforehand checks in the mail, uh, <laughs> no, <I've- laughs> no, but you, you do a great job and you always have, and, and you really, you busted your butt, uh, when, when you broke into this industry, you were doing a lot of hard work, uh, at the grassroots level you know, and, and developing all your sources and everything. So again, I respect um, your knowledge and opinion. And, you know, we've both been around the game a long time and neither one of us have ever seen a year like this in terms of Syracuse University basketball. Uh, we're recording this ahead of uh, a game against Wake Forest on Saturday. And I don't know when it'll go up or when people will be listening to it. You know, they could be listening to it after the Wake Forest game. But as of now, Syracuse is nine and eleven overall, and three and six in the ACC. They've never been under five hundred uh, this far into a season. This is a program that hasn't had a losing season in over fifty years. Um, just your general impressions of what's going on with Syracuse this season, Jeff. You know, when I came in, you know, I was there for the preseason, the exhibition game. Yeah, and and I walked away saying to myself there's going to be a lot of bad losses. And I think there's going to be some, some big wins where, you know, these guys can't really guard anybody. You know, they don't have a lot of depth, but they can shoot the hell out of the ball. So they're going to get some wins that are unexpected because there'll be a night when Buddy and Joe and, and I thought Cole, you know, all make five threes in a game and, and, and they end up shooting, you know, 15 for 20, five from three and they beat a team that they're not supposed to beat. There haven't been enough of those. There have been way too many nights in which these guys aren't clicking, shooting the ball from three. And I don't think it's necessarily their fault. I, I still go back to point guard play. 
I do. I mean, that, that, that's what I always go back to. If you don't have good enough point guard play, you don't have a chance. Even in a crappy ACC, you don't have a chance. And, and Joe, he made some strides, mm-hmm. and then I think he stagnated in a lot of other areas, right? I mean, he, he's not really a point guard. Let's face it. He's not. He's, he's being forced to play a position because of necessity. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I, I think ultimately – I don't want to say his name because I know that guy at Seton Hall, I'll call him that guy at Seton Hall should be the starting point guard. And if he is, then I think it, it, and I know, listen, I know his work ethic's been, and I talked to Kevin Willard about it even this year, Mm -hmm. his work ethic's been questioned and and all that, but the kid's talented and somehow, you know, sometimes, and I know Jim Beheim is very stuck in his ways, but sometimes you have to adapt and give a little bit. And, you know, even like now with like a Benny Williams, you're, you're nine and 11. Mm-hmm. You're, pr- you're not really playing for anything the rest of the year. The only way you're playing for anything is if you win the, the ACC tournament. Otherwise you're an NIT. If that team play Benny, cause the foresight is if you like Benny and his potential, first of all, you want to throw him to the fire and get him reps. Second of all, if you don't play him, he, he's going to be sitting there in the transfer portal potentially. So it's twofold. So I think you got to adapt. You got to look ahead. And again, I think the biggest problem with Syracuse right now is if you had a high level point guard mm-hmm. with, you know, Buddy on the wing with Cole Swider, those guys, they've got different looks than they've gotten this year with a high level point guard. And, and Joe, to me, as like your first guard off the bench, then you got a team. Then you got a, a, a team that could. Right now, should be the second best team in again in a mediocre. We we've covered this game a long time. I know you cover the Big East for most of it, but since I've been following the ACC, since you've been following the ACC, mm-hmm. this is the worst the league has ever been, and it's not even close. Yeah, you know, boy, there's so much we could dissect there from there. <laughs> All right, uh, let's let's focus first on the defense. You said that you know you came up for that preseason exhibition game and walked away saying it's not going to be a good defensive team. Nope. I think they're worse than I expected. I, no athleticism. Yeah. No, very, very little athleticism. They're not, you know, they're, they're just, you know, you'd think again, cause you have buddy and Jimmy, you got two guys who grew up playing the game, know the zone. You can know it all you want, but you still got to be able to play it. And, and again, yeah. Jesse's gotten better, but he's not your traditional Syracuse big that you expect in the middle of the two. We just had low expectations for Jesse in a lot of ways. Like they've had dudes along that back line, like dudes that were like long athletic, could block, <laughs> like just could cover ground. They don't have that now. That's not, I mean, Joe Girard's got no length. Yeah. You know? Um, right. Yep. Uh, the four just, perimeter positions are not athletic. Right. I thought the size with Jimmy and Cole both being about 6'8", six, 6'9", six, might make up for some of the athleticism. Yeah. I'm, I'm wrong. Um, I think the game, we see the, how the game has changed over the last 6, 10 years, the, the Golden State Warriors effect. We see teams that instead of having two shooters and maybe a penetrating point guard, They've got three or four shooters and they, and you need multiple point guards and you need multiple point guards. And if you're Syracuse, you have uh, like a half a point guard, you know, 
I don't know. I mean, there's a lot, like you said, there's a litany of, of, of reasons, mm-hmm. but it starts with defense. Yeah. And then I think you go point guard defense point guard are one and two for me. Why this team, if, if you gave them more athleticism and a, and a high level point guard, especially this year, you look around the country. I, I did my koozie top 10 point guards list. Yeah. It's it's the worst it's ever been. The position is by far in college basketball. The so if there's ever a year where you could get away with not having a high level point guard situation, this is the year. Like, like the names, you know, kid at Loyola Chicago, Braden Norris is on my list. Uh, okay. Kid at Colorado State, Isaiah Stevens. You've never even heard of these kids, <laughs> and they're among the top ten point guard. You know, Gillespie's on there. Um, sure. Akinjo's on there, but it's not a great list. So. To me, again, if you had one this year, it would it would help you even more than in years past because there aren't a lot of really good ones out there. Where have you gone, Tyler Ennis? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They could use him. You know, it's speaking of Tyler, Tyler was on the Syracuse team in their first year in the ACC. And that was the team that I called the carryover team. Uh, when we look at where this program is, since they moved to the ACC, it's been kind of a decline um a slow right. steady you know in in the big east you know the, I, I here i got the number i wrote them down knowing we were going to talk yeah last seven years in the big east 87 and 39 if you take away the carryover year the tyler rennish year in 2014 so the season since then syracuse in the acc is 68 and 67 wow, wow. they're 500 now wow. BC and and Pitt and and some and some other programs would love to be 500 in the ACC, but this is not where this is. It be just is it simply because they're not in the league that they're supposed to be in the the league where they made their brand and they have their history. I think that's too simplifying it. You know, okay. I, I don't think it's just that, but yeah, I mean, it, it's affected a lot of those schools. You know, certainly you fit the Big East better, right? Whether it was, you know, again, Pitt was one that really really got hurt by it. BC is BC. Like they're going to stink no matter what league they're in right now to me. Okay. But, but Syracuse. Yeah. I, I think it, it was affected by it. You know, I also think again, like once you lose some recruiting momentum, mm-hmm. like it's hard to get it back and it is hard to get kids to Syracuse. It is hard to get elite kids to Syracuse, mm-hmm. you know, like to me. And now you've got, you know, over the last few years, it's easy to negative recruit against them. Well, Bayham's not going to be there. He's going to be there one year. They're using you know? his age against of him. Of course. Yeah. He's the oldest. I, I, is it him or Cliff Ellis? No, I it's, don't even it's know. Jim. Jim's yeah. the oldest. Okay, Cliff Ellis is close. Um, he's the oldest coach, and now they don't have a plan. At least when they had Hop, you could sell a plan with the coach in waiting. That, I think, after watching what Kay did last year, when he said, I'm retiring and Shire's going to be the guy, Mm-hmm. I think that should have been done a year or two ago with whoever's going to be the next guy. I think waiting continues to hurt the program rather than saying, Hey, listen, you know, wild hack and Jim getting together and saying, let's figure this out. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be red? Is it going to be GMAC? And I know that's going to make it tough for whoever doesn't get it. I assume it's going to be one of those two. And you tell me if you're, you think I'm wrong. No, I, I don't. I, I think those guys have to be uh, at the top of your list of potential candidates. I, I think history 
and, and it means a lot in a program like this. It's why Duke went with Shire. It's yep. why Carolina went with Hubert Davis. That's right. I yep. think Syracuse is along there. Um, you know what so you were it, saying it, there about it would be awkward. Yeah, it would be awkward for whoever doesn't get it. But at least then, if you're recruiting a top player, you're saying, hey, listen, here's the deal. Jim, he's going to be here for the next year. And then after that, this is going to be the guy. It might be Jim. He might stay more than that. If not, you know 100% you're going to be playing for whether it's Red or GMAC, one of the two of them. Here you go. You know, I talked to Jim Beheim before this season started about this sort of stuff. Oh, how did that go? How did, how did that go, Mike? It went great. Uh, did it? Oh, yeah. It's a very interesting conversation. Uh, he had thoughts. You know, when I brought up the, you know, the transition that was supposed to have taken place, you know, in, in 2015, they announced that he was going to leave in three years. Right, right. He said, looking back, he thought it hurt. He, he thought it hurt. He said that people knowing he was going to leave cost them players. Is it better? I mean, Duke shortened that window. Duke, Duke it's just right. one year. Anybody there recruiting knows it's Shire. Yep. Carolina didn't even have even a sliver of window. They put, they ripped the Band-Aid off and went straight to Hubert. Um, I got to wonder, maybe that three year, even having a plan, maybe three years was too long. I think it was. I think if you're going to do it now, you you know, listen, how many more years? I mean, he's 77. Like, mm-hmm. I got to figure you're talking a year at this point. You know, you want to come back for next year? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he can go to late. I mean, shit, Tom Brady's playing at 44, right? Like, who, yep. you know, Jim Beheim can coach till he's 80. And again, I tell everybody this. The guy is as sharp mentally as he was 20 years ago. There is Absolutely. no difference. Zero. Zero. Yeah. Now, again, has yeah. the program been steadily declining and falling off? Absolutely. Like, they, they, they haven't had the same level of success, whether it's it's him getting older, whether maybe it's Hop being gone, and they haven't recruited nearly as well since Hop left. I mean, listen, Hop was beloved, beloved it, it, around coaching circles, around here, prep school. You, you know how I came up. I came up through the prep schools. That's how I covered – I got into college basketball because I was covering prep schools. Right. Those guys friggin' love hop, like <laughs> would do anything for him. When he came into the gym, like it was like chest bumps, you name it. Like, so yes, I think him leaving definitely affected the quality of talent that they've brought in. No knock to, to Red or or G Mac or Alan Griffin. They're all really good assistant coaches and great, great guys. But Hop was a different level of connector. Yeah. He just I, had that it factor when it came to recruiting where you you felt like you were the most special. When, when I was a recruiting analyst, a young guy breaking in, I always felt like, man, I'm Hop's guy. He's giving me – like, I'm his guy. And, and I'm telling you, every other media person felt the same damn way. Right. Yes. Now, I will defend the current guys because a lot of people, you know, want to say like they're not doing well and Hop was so much better. Hop cut his recruiting chops and built his reputation as a recruiter when Jim Beheim was a much younger man. No doubt. When Syracuse was in no the Big East. Yeah. Right? Yep. And so I think it's a lot different. Um, it was easier. It was easier. He had he had more, yeah, he had more to work with. Yeah. 
they lost recruits when they went to the ACC when Hop was here too, you know, when right. things started yeah. changing, when those NCAA inv- uh, sanctions hit. Again, sure. the, I don't think the sanctions themselves hurt all that much, but the timing was horrible because it was during your transition period to a new conference as well. Yeah. So, um, so here we are. Um, not long-term future. Let's go short-term. Next season, wh- where where do you see this program at? I mean, Buddy's a senior, could technically come back. Yeah, he's not coming back. Right. Cole Swider's in his fourth year of college, could technically come back. Joe will have another year. Jesse's got a year. Yeah. Jimmy is an Ivy League kid right now. He can't come back, but I that somebody from the Ivy League is eventually going to challenge that. Right, right. But you you could lose Buddy, Jimmy, and Cole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got a decent class coming in next year. A bunch of dudes that, you know, we don't know how good they are. You yeah. don't win with freshmen in this league. We know that. Unless that, they're Duke freshmen. Of, yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, they got to be Paolo Bencaro and some dudes. Mark Williams. It's like, <laughs> guy, he's not a freshman anymore. But, um, yeah. yeah, you're not winning with freshmen. You know, I don't think Buddy comes back. You got to prepare as if Jimmy doesn't come back. And I still think it's 50-50 whether Jim comes back. And that's just me. That's just me speculating. Is maybe he just says at this point, like, all right, you know what? I had this experience with my kids. Now it's time. He's got to say it at some point. And me, selfishly, because I maybe I'm not supposed to admit this as a reporter. We're, We're old school, right? You're not supposed to say when you like somebody that you cover. Mm-hmm. I like Jim Beheim. I, I, I do. And, and again, I've had my issues with him. You know, I was one of the reporters that he told to go get their Pulitzer somewhere else at Marquette. So like, <laughs> I, I remember my that presser. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Awesome. Um, but like, I just want him to go out the right way. Mm-hmm. I just want him. To, I, I saw it with Lute Olson, who I went to Arizona. I didn't really have any relationship with Lute that when I was a student. And then started to have a really good relationship with him when I covered recruiting and then covered college basketball. Hmm. And it broke my heart, broke my heart to see how Lute Olson went out, you know, that, that it came down to basically doctors, you know, and, and health reasons why he couldn't go out the way he wanted. Jim Beheim is in great health right now. That's true. Jim, you know what? Go enjoy yourself, my man. Like go, go to the, go travel with Julie. Do whatever you want to do now. You don't have to like. Now I know he loves this. I know he loves this. So like this is probably what he wants to do. Yes. So I, I guess it's 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 hard. I just want him to go out the right way because man, I I like Jim Beheim a lot. I have so much respect for him and what he's built. But I understand on the flip side, it's like all right, the program it keeps kind of steadily going down now where in the past it was like, all right, you know what? We'll just sneak in the tournament and we'll get to a sweet 16 or maybe even a final four. And we don't care what we do in the regular. Well, you're not, you, you may be in the CBI this year. Right. Yes. The, the, the next step in that decline is, is what happened this year. And it doesn't look like they're going to get that shot to be that 10 seed no. uh, that causes a lot of havoc in the, in the tournament. So uh, yeah, now here you are. 
they got to hit the portal. I think uh, when yes, you, yes, yes, and 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 they can't hit the portal the way that they did last year. Last year they didn't really. Every everybody that came in the portal fell in their laps. Uh, Jimmy Bayheim was was right down the hall. <laughs> right, right, right. So yes. that was not our. Simeon Torrance was a Syracuse kid who just wanted to come home. And Cole Swider, they had recruited three years earlier out of high school. He wasn't in the portal 30 seconds before he was committing to Syracuse. So I next year, I think they're or this spring, their approach to the portal. They've got you can, a you really can approach attack. it. Listen, you can attack it all you want, Mike. The, the one thing I'll say is look at some of the guys. Remy Martin was a top guy in the portal. He's doing nothing at Kansas right now. Marcus Carr was a top guy in the portal. He went from Minnesota to Texas. He's been absolutely underwhelming and a disappointment so far. Yeah. So a lot, I'll give you, I can it's give you 25. I can give you 25 more of those more. And I was talking to Tom Izzo about this. I was at the uh, Illinois Michigan state game the other night and we we're talking mm -hmm. after the game. And one point he made was now with guys not having to sit out, it's much harder for these guys to have immediate success because they come in and they don't know the system. Right. They, they actually, like in a case of Marcus Carr, he goes from Minnesota where he's got the ultimate freedom. It's like AAU ball. Like he can come down, jack whatever he wants. Now he's playing motion at Texas with a bunch of other players that have come from losing programs. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't know what to do. It takes a while to deprogram them where in that year sitting out, you can kind of deprogram in, in that year for the first part of the year. And then they understand and can practice that whole year with the team and chemistry and all that and he's got a kid Tyson Walker who came from Northeastern here near me who I thought is super talented yeah. and he looks completely lost right now at Michigan State okay so uh after having doused that flame with a bucket of water Jeff well, you gotta get lucky <laughs> you gotta get there's there's a lot of luck to it I guess is what I'm saying is there's some that have worked the, the same game I saw Illinois got a kid Alfonso Plummer who transferred from Utah who's been sensational has shot the hell out of it. But we didn't even have him near the top. Tari Eason's another one. He averaged like seven points a game at Cincinnati last year. He's been arguably LSU's most valuable player this year. I didn't have him. I did a list of the top 100 transfers. He wasn't even on that list. Not he didn't make wow. the top 100. So what I'm saying is it's like, it's like playing craps. You have no idea what you're going to get with a transfer portal because most of these kids, now Syracuse different last year, like you said, most of these kids, you don't know a whole lot about. You're going to call the coaches. Maybe the coach will be honest with you if you really, really know them well. But, but even if they're honest, what might be a terrible situation for one kid at, at one place might be a great situation. Again, like this kid Plummer at Utah, he was just okay. He's been awesome on a really good Illinois team. Wesley Johnson. Oh. It, was a, it was a horrible fit for him at Iowa State. It was a broken yeah. marriage out there. He came to Syracuse. He did sit out a year. He was back in the yeah. days when he sat out. But uh, he sat out. And boy, that that kid couldn't have been a nicer kid. Couldn't oh, have worked out any sweet. better. Yeah, he was a sweet kid, wasn't he? Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. But, yeah, we've seen uh, transfers that work the other way, too. And Geno Thorpe came here to Syracuse, didn't right. last 10 games. Yeah. So um, and we build these guys up. Yeah. And generally the rule of thumb is if you transfer up a level, like like the kid did, I said Tyson Walker from from Northeastern to a high level. Cut the, I did this study a couple of years ago. Now, 
it might even be different after this year because they're not sitting out. Mm-hmm. But generally, it was cut the numbers in half. Really? Cut the numbers. Whatever they did production at the previous spot, cut it in half. Now, I think you're going to cut it even further with them not sitting out a year. I, I'm going to do that study at the end of this year once we get it, and we're going to be absolutely blown away by how disappointing a lot of these transfers were. Wow. Wow. Um, so here we are with Syracuse and you say, you know, we don't know what Jim's going to do. This could be his last year. He could what come do you back think? for one more what do you, year. Wait, wait, I, I want to throw it on you. I want to throw it on you. And I hate to do this in your podcast, but I'm dying to know, am I wrong with 50, 50, or do you think there's no shot and he's back a hundred percent next year? I don't think anything's a hundred percent. Um, cause I don't know how this whole season's affecting him. I do know he's a prideful man, stubborn. And you think stubborn that might be his biggest quality, right? Stubborn. But if you're listing Jim's qualities, you might say stubborn might be number one. And and that's a positive in some cases. Of course. Yes. Of course it is. Stubborn because, you know, he's going to make things work. I think I could see him wanting to like not want to go out with this kind of season uh, to fix things, repair things, get things back on track. Uh, Maybe try to make could he do the K thing, Mike, next year? After this year, yes. could he look at what K did with Shire and say, you know what? I kind of like it. It worked. Why not do that? That that I think that's the way it should be done. Because I want Jim Beheim to have the farewell tour. Mm-hmm. He deserves it. He deserves it. I, I agree with you. Um, he does, even though some of these guys don't love it at first. or Sometimes I think they don't love the idea of it. But then I think they appreciate it when they go through it. Yep. And we mentioned Kay and like, you know, coaches do this all different ways. Al McGuire, we knew he was walking away in 77 before we even got to the final four and he wins it all. Um, Roy surprises us after a season and says, folks, that was it. Um, I'm gone. Kay, though, he and Beheim have one of the closest coaching relationships going. Anybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's had friends in the business, but PJ Carlissimo is not in college basketball anymore and right. guys like that. I think I could see him talking to Kay, watching the way it's working with at Duke. Smooth. And if he thinks it's yeah. working for both Kay personally and Duke as a program, yes, he fall he he he, he does do that. Um, I, I hope so. I don't know when. I, I I think it's I think he can do it after this year because again, you know, you're 77 at this point, gives you another year. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows it's your last year, so so the fan base then settles down in their their maybe and and i think it's most mostly the younger generation that has like a little bit of like contempt for him and and sticking around too long and the program going down you and i appreciate what the guy has done it's like he has a right to go out however the hell he wants to go out he built this thing Mm -hmm. and without jim Beheim, there is no syracuse basketball so if he wants to go another couple years you know what and it's not great let it, let it be. So I, you know, again, to me, it's just good health. That's, that's the biggest thing for, for Jim Beheim for me. And uh, I, I wish he, I wish he was able to enjoy this season with his sons more from a, from a winning perspective, because yeah, that's when I came bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt like, man, this could be a storybook type season for them. If somehow, and I got a really soft spot in my heart for buddy. You know, I, I talked to him at the Peach Jam years ago. We spent an hour. Um, and it's funny. I wrote that story about Buddy. 
And I knew after that, like, I honestly think Jim's perception of me changed so much after I wrote that story. And, and now I understand it, Mike, because I flip it with you. And I came up to Syracuse, as you know, before the season started. And my daughter's considering Syracuse as one of her schools. And Jim Beheim, the day of that game, we sit in his office for an hour plus, And he's just shooting the shit with us, telling stories, talking about Syracuse. And you know how much you do know how much I don't have to tell you as a father. That means because all you care about when you get to be our age, we're, we're ancient, is your kids. That's all that matters. So when I wrote that story about Buddy Beheim, I didn't understand the impact that would have. And I don't know it to be true, but I'm pretty sure Jim had a different level of respect for me after I wrote that story about his kid. Yeah, that's interesting. But and you're right. You can say anything you want about me, but once yep. you say, you know, it's your over. kid or, yep. you know, things can be going wrong and, and you know, you could be having a, a tough time professionally or whatever, or as long as your kids are happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. As a dad, totally. as a father, you know, yep. you're having a good day as long as your kids are good. Yep. Um, I know it's got to be really difficult for both Jim and Julie. Uh, no to go through this kind of season. Um, it's got to be hard on him. But yeah, going back to Jim, I think he comes back next season. And again, it's not a hundred percent, but he's told these, the five high school recruits in their recruiting process that he was going to be there. And yep. I don't think, I, I, I think he keeps that promise. Now, if he doesn't he want to go out to- this way, he doesn't want to go out this way either. I agree. That's I agree. the thing. If, if, if it's one more shot, and he's already done the, the, the three-year one more, one more chance and, and extended it. So, listen, even if you're Jim and you say, hey, one more year, and then he says in a year, hey, John, uh, like, I'm going to go one more. Like, what are you going to say? I mean, seriously, what you, if you're Wild Hack, what are you going to say? No? You can't. I guess you can't. <laughs> right? um, I mean, he just had to say, you know, what? I don't know why you say at that point. Exactly. Listen, you know, uh, Red Autry's reaching a retirement age. We got him, let him coach one that's year right. before. He's- exactly. That's right. Though. Well, that was always Hop's deal, right? It was like, hey, I'm going to be 60 years old before this dude retires. I got to go somewhere else to get another chance. <laughs> you know, we're laughing and having a good time at all this, but you're right. I mean, it's like, you know, like when Bill Guthridge succeeded Dean. Right. How old was he? He had to have been in his 60s. I don't know exactly, but yeah, he'd, he had been with Dean for, for decades. Yeah. 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 I, so again, yeah, man, I, I just, I, I wish it was better for the family. I, I, you know, and again, you'd never know it with buddy, like, mm-hmm. man, he, he's always smiling. He's always happy. Uh, I felt bad that he had such a bad performance shooting performance at Cameron. So yeah. I really thought maybe he'd come out there and just start draining threes and, you know, um, but yeah, listen, not everything's easy for, for, you know, I mean, Again, you, you get used to the expectations being so high at a place like Syracuse. And now I think you understand, like, it's a hard job. What Jim Beheim has done at Syracuse yeah. is nothing short of remarkable because most guys, the years they've had over the last five or six years, Mike, would be incredible at Syracuse. And they've been kind of ho-hum, you know, like you said, you gave, you gave that number, 68 and 67 in the ACC. You know, for most guys, that'd be pretty good at a place like Syracuse. Because if you really go down the list of the best jobs in the ACC, yep, 
I mean, again, Louisville's a top 10 job. Duke and Carolina are top. You've got three top 10 jobs right there in, in one league. No other league can say that. And then you got a bunch of other jobs that are that are pretty good in the league. I mean, Virginia's a good job. Great you facility. Know? Right. So people don't get when you throw everything together for Syracuse, you know, the dome is old. It's big, but it's old. Right. Yes. I mean, the, the, the practice facility is beautiful. But everybody's got a nice practice facility these days. Almost everybody does, other than, you know, here in Boston College. Um, but, but you know, again, when you look at wow. it, it's, it's a middle-of-the-road probably job in the ACC when you really get down to it. And they're probably – they've been playing like a middle-of-the-road team in the ACC these last few years. Yeah. And that's really different Hard. for a lot of Syracuse yeah. fans. And they're still wrapping their heads around it as we speak. Well, we'll see where the rest of the season takes us. Uh, I hope it takes you to a lot of incredible basketball gyms, fill the capacity, and you get to see some fun ball. Um, I know it's the best part of our job is to go to these games and, and see basketball and in that environment. Um, I appreciate having you on. We got to get it. We got to do this again and maybe not make it incredibly Syracuse centric. And we can yeah. just uh, share some stories about. Uh, college basketball and recruiting and coaches and stuff like that. I, I wanted to ask you, and we probably don't have time, but you can give me the one, the one word answer. All right. You don't even have to expand on it. Who is your favorite Syracuse player you have ever covered? Who is your like to talk to, to interview, to be around? Who is that guy that like you just, you miss? There's not just one. Remember I've been here too long. If I'd only been here 10 years, I could give you one. No, one answer. One, one player. You got to pick one, pick one. Come no, on. I'm going to give you, I'm going to no. knock off several. Um, <laughs> All right. All right. Go ahead. A scoop Jardine is at, oh, near the he, top of the list. he was a quote machine. Wasn't he? Absolutely. Right. So love scoop. You know, Andy Routens was a great kid, incredibly thoughtful, knowledgeable, obviously son of Leo. You expect that of, of, of Andy. Yep. Terrence Roberts was an absolute hoot. Yeah. Uh, yep. Fun as hell. Uh, great quote. Um, loved, loved interviewing him. Um, Aton Thomas was one of the smartest, most thoughtful kids I've ever talked to. So, you know, I'm giving you different guys, the fun guys who had no yep. filter and then the super thoughtful, smart guys who you talk to at a, at a different level. I've been very, very lucky over the years. Um, to, to, a lot of good kids. To yeah. a lot of really, really good kids. You but know who my we... favorite was? You know who my favorite was? Yeah, yeah. Who? You're not going to believe it, I don't think. Paul Harris. My oh, favorite. absolutely. My Daga. favorite. I love Paul Harris. I, I I always just, there's something about Paul Harris. Like, he was the toughest dude that I, I always say, if I could bring somebody down to play at, like, Rucker Park, anybody in the world, I would have taken Paul Harris that dude would have kicked your ass. He didn't care who was going up against him. And uh, and just I love Paul Harris because he was there was never any BS with Paul. Like he would just tell you exactly the way it was, his background. He had nothing to hide. And he just went through so much. And I still keep in touch with Paul and, and try to text him uh, as much as I can. That's the best part of our job, Mike. That's Absolutely. the best part of our job is watching a kid like Paul Harris who's had so much stacked up against him in life and watch him now make a career and have a family. And yeah. like, I love that. I, I love seeing these guys. Like I, 
the one kid I haven't been able to find, Johnny Flynn. Where is Johnny Flynn? Have you been able to find him? I've kind of heard where he is and stuff, but he's become uh, kind of reclusive. He doesn't want to talk to the media. I've tried to get him for both interviews on my podcast here and also yeah. just for a story. I enlisted Paul Harris's help for a, a short time. Yeah. Nothing. Well, kind of at one point I knew Johnny was in Florida. And then I heard that, oh, wait, he was at a Niagara Falls basketball game. And, and then back, you know, so yeah. listen, I want to respect Johnny's. Johnny. Oh, yeah. you, you were talking about where Paul came from. And, and it's not just Paul. It's a lot of the guys we've covered. Sure. Especially you when you were, you know, yep. doing your Prep recruiting. School. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Niagara Falls when Syracuse had recruited Paul. And you don't think of Niagara Falls immediately as the same way you might think of Harlem or Bed-Stuy or Compton. But I got to tell you, and I say this for the Syracuse fans out there so they understand some of the guys that they cheer for. Paul came from a rough background, yes, a did. really scary yes, area. Yep. Um, yep. You said he had a lot of stuff stacked up against him. He re- the fact that he made it out of there oh. is nothing short of a miracle. And it's a testament to his character. And yeah, I, I love Paul. You know, he was that's fantastic. what our job. I'm telling you, that's the best part of our job. That is people don't understand that. Like the games are great. The games are great. But getting to know some of these guys. And again, I was fortunate because I did recruiting. So I knew, yeah. you know, Kevin Durant when he was 14 years old. I, <laughs> I think I was the first interview I ever he ever did. And the kid didn't say two words. He was yeah. so shy. Um, but watching the Paul Harris's grow. You know, and, and and Johnny Flynn and Buddy and all these guys who've come. I mean, I knew that whole group well, the Terrence Roberts, Mookie, you know, like that that whole group, like yeah. I, that, that's what I did. I covered recruiting. I called these kids all the time. I kind of miss that. Like people ask me all the time. They're like, what do you, you know, because I cover some NBA, obviously mostly college. Mm-hmm. And I go out on the road in July a little bit. I go out, but I don't talk to the high school kids like I used to. And I'm probably too old to be able to connect with the high school kids. It's hard enough connecting with my daughter, but I miss, I I miss that time in my life, to be honest, when I covered recruiting and just kind of seeing these kids when they appreciated it and they hadn't been a lot of them, they hadn't had their asses kissed yet. So they were playing for the actual love of the game and things were different then too. You didn't have social media and all that. Um, so there were less distractions on that end than there are now. They weren't as wrapped up in themselves as I think they are now, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's the best part of the job by far. Get the relationships and, and, and and they say like, you know, you and I both grew up old school of like objectivity. Objectivity is everything, right? When you're writing and now that's out the window for most people out the window. It's a joke. I can't even deal with it, but you know, I'm objective, but I'll tell you what, when kids, I'll give you a quick story and then we'll leave it. We'll leave it. Here's a great story. So it's Syracuse, uh, uh, Duke is playing. Greg Paulus is a freshman. This is a local. That's why I'm giving you the story. It's a local tie a little bit with Paulus. They lose his freshman year at Duke. JJ Reddick's senior year, Sheldon Williams' senior year. Forget where the game was, NCAA tournament, but they're knocked out. Greg Paulus, who is highly, highly, highly recruited, is in the locker room bawling. I've known Greg since he was 14. I've known – like, I'm t- I've talked to him 
a million times. Broke his recruitment, all that stuff. Cameras in his face. In his face, he's bawling. They're, they're, they won't leave him. He just he, he gives me a look. You know what I did, Mike? I stuck my ass right in between him and that camera. Really? And I know I shouldn't have. <laughs> I know I shouldn't have as a journalist. But I'm like, screw that. You know what? You want to get your shot? Get your shot and get the hell out. This kid's a kid. Yeah. And, and, and that's the biggest thing I think we, we've learned through this is these are kids. And college is a lot different than the pros. When they make money, it's different. Then you want to criticize? That's fine. College kids, like it's hard for me to even be critical on Joe Girard. Yeah. In the point I guard agree. position. I don't want to be critical on Joe Girard, but you know, I, I'm also trying to be honest of what what the issue, the root of the issue is with Syracuse. Well, and I think and you're it is not point being guard. hard on the kid, but it's just an analysis of a game. Right. So I, I get that. But anyway, now, yeah. Sorry to sorry to ramble, but I, I really I, I wanted to scoop Jardine was a great answer on your first the first one that came out of your mouth, Scoop. He would have been in my top. Two or three for sure. There you go. So anyway, um, and then of course there's that's my special relationship with Derek Coleman. Derek, if you're out there, nice Derek, you got a coast. Yeah, you, I mean, you should be doing like an off season, like, like, like a series, a Derek Coleman like <laughs> series or something. Because man, I actually, how, how about this? Here you go. Hold on. What have we got? We're delaying the end of the uh, they fought a script 44. The, the only <laughs> the only jersey. Uh, the Jeff? only jersey, the only jersey that I own. Really? The only jersey that I own of college of, of college basketball. Yeah, Derek Coleman. I mean, my favorite player. He was on the first team I covered. Wow. It was his wow. junior year. Yeah. That's crazy to me. That is oh. insane. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's cool though. That's cool. I mean, like you, you've been there for all of it. And again, yeah. like I said, uh, you know, I know the checks already in the mail. I don't need to say this now because it's already <laughs> in there, but, um, you, 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 you've done it the right way. Uh, I hope people in Syracuse appreciate what they have in you and Donna. Oh, Donna, especially. I, yeah. No, both of you. I've told my daughter this when, when, when she met both of you No better, there's no, there's nobody better because again, the way you guys do it, you do it professionally, you do it the right way, but you're, you're also not going to kiss, kiss the ass of, of, of anybody there. You're going to do it the way it should be done. Well, it's, the, you know, if there's anybody out listening, I don't think, I don't know if fans care, but if there's any young budding journalists out there, you do it the right way and then you get to do it for a long time. Right, right. Although so, these and, days, and I'm, you, I'm not sure if that's the case anymore, but yes. <laughs> Right. This has been great, Jeff, and you you do a great job. And I appreciate all the the uh, the insight and the analysis, and then some of the stories too. Yeah. Um, this is we've gone on longer than I planned. Uh, my apologies. I know there was a hard out, a hard out at you know forty minutes. I'm sure we went over that, but whatever. <laughs> we did. We're both. We to can blame. do this all day. Uh, thanks for joining me here on you the Inside it. Syracuse Basketball Podcast. I look forward to seeing you down the road, and good luck to your daughter on her college decision. I Thank expect to see something on either Tipton edits. <laughs> yes, yes. Or, <laughs> or we'll get that done. You know I will. You know <laughs> I will. So listen, thanks for having me. Hope to see you soon. And uh, good luck yeah. with everything. Thanks, man. We'll see you now. I want to thank Jeff for joining me on the podcast today. And thanks to you out there as well for listening in. 
Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and follow all of our complete coverage of Syracuse basketball on Syracuse.com. Until next time on the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, I'm Mike Waters.